Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna, an arid staff that budded in the tablets of the covenant. Above it, above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties, but into the second only, the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. Mm. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So moving forward in Hebrews 9 and carrying on with this motif of Christ as the high priest and fulfillment uh, of the first covenant. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny in verse uh, five when he, there's this little quip about of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Right. You know, he kind of actually like lays out a decent amount of detail and, uh, you know, but in the grand scheme of like Levitical law, it's like scratching the surface. And so we're really getting a glimpse of the involved, as you said, like the involved and and kind of rigorous nature of worship yeah. for the the Israelite people. What are your thoughts on this passage? Yeah, I think involved is a great way to summarize what we are seeing here. You know, so Hebrews nine begins with uh, this description of Old Testament worship and and where a lot of the Old Testament worship occurred. And, and so we we see the earth, the holy place described. Mm-hmm. And then we see the uh, the most holy place described, and, and we see the various components and, and what filled up the holy place or the most holy place. And then um, verse six tells us that these preparations, having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section. So um, this is a bit of a caricature, but but the, the special people, the mm-hmm. the holy people, mm-hmm. go into the first section and they perform certain uh, ritual duties, certain acts of worship. But then the most holy place, the high priest goes once a year, and he does so in this very involved sort of way. He he does it with with blood, and he goes and he offers sin, offers uh, the blood and, and sacrifices for himself and for the people, and especially the unintentional sins of the people. And so, so the special people get to go into the one section. the The really special guy gets to go into the the second section and then your 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 everyday worshipers are out in the court because these sections of the temple are so holy and if you remember back to yesterday 
then you might remember that this is actually just a shadow of the substance. And so this isn't mm-hmm. even like the real place. Like God certainly dwells with his people in the tabernacle or in the temple, but he he's truly in, in the heavens. And the tabernacle is meant to point us to the substance that exists in the heavens. And so, mm-hmm. so what we're seeing here, I think is just an incredibly involved system of worship to the Lord. And I think there's a temptation here for us to go, man, well, look at all these, these things you have to do. And, and isn't this um, just over the top and you got to check all these boxes. We forget that God was so incredibly kind in the Mm -hmm. old Testament to give his people prescriptions on how to worship him. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you look at ancient Near East and, and how, you know, the little G gods related to their people, they never knew what in the world they were supposed to do. You know, they were, they were constantly searching and feeling, trying to figure out how to please the gods. Yeah. And here you see how our God is distinct as the one true God. He comes and he tells his people how he wants to be worshiped. And so that may seem kind of involved, it may seem intense, but I think what we see here is one, the kindness of the Lord to dwell with his people and mm-hmm. to receive the worship of his people. But two, we see what sort of God is worthy of this sort of involved worship. Mm-hmm. And so the character of God is on display here. And, and ultimately what I think we're getting is, is the holiness of God. Yeah, It's yeah. so easy to think about God as, as, as a little bit better version of us, like a more moral version of us, more powerful version of us. But here's the deal. A, a lot better version of me does not deserve anything described in Hebrews chapter yeah. nine. Yeah. But God does. And, and and so I think we'd be wise to be a people who recognize God as the Holy One of Israel, the creator God, the all-consuming fire, and realize just a little bit of who we're dealing with. And maybe this sort of involved worship is actually appropriate and do his name. So it reminds me of Isaiah 6. And, and that's uh, a well-known passage where uh, 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 Isaiah goes and he has this vision of the throne room of God and the the um, uh, angelic hosts are, are coming and they're, they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And, 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 and Isaiah goes before the presence of the Lord. And what does he do? Does he just like be like, hey, this is so cool. What's up, <laughs> God? Like, uh, how are you doing? Hey, I've got some questions for you. I need to interrogate you a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, he falls down on his face in fear and he says woe is me a man of unclean lips yeah that reminds me when we were going through uh revelation with young adults uh thomas he we were in that you know really powerful throne room passage and the way thomas kind of phrased and visualized it was so impactful to me but he he was talking about these heavenly beings you know the the cherubim and seraphim who throughout the book of revelation you know they with like a breath they can knock the world off its axis like and whenever humans encounter these beings throughout scripture are just stunned paralyzed Mm -hmm. with fear and try to worship them yeah 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 those creatures who who are beyond any glory or might that we can muster imagining they are covering themselves with with wings and crying out holy you you know like that is the the all-consuming holiness and glory of god and uh, i think you did a great job for uh just framing this whole passage and 
I think just really all I have to add is, is remembering the context of how the author got here. Going back to Hebrews 6, he says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain Amen. where Jesus has gone as a front runner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Praise God. And yeah, praise God. I mean, the the amount of, of fear and trembling that we owe that degree of holiness is met by the comfort that Christ has entered into the veil, that that hope itself has, has entered into the veil. And I'm really, really excited for tomorrow's passage where the author is going to tie this into what does it look like now that Christ is the high priest of that covenant. But until then, for Jackson Randall, this is Will Carlisle. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.